Welcome to Vineyard 61's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged, and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website, vineyard61.org, or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. really going to enjoy. I'm going to enjoy speaking to you this morning. We'll find out if you enjoy it. Um, closing the series we've started 2020 um, about the scriptures, about the Bible. Um, so we've done four weeks prior to this one. So this is the, f- the fifth and final week. Um, and we're going to get into a bit more of the, the detail, the ni- some of the nitty-gritty on how to read the Bible. So um, we're going to hopefully give it practical. Um, but there's so many routes I could have gone down. So some of you may know there's a whole... Um, kind of scholarly area in how you interpret the Bible known as hermeneutics, um, which literally just means kind of to interpret. Um, I don't know if it's from the same root word as hermit, but I think it probably is, because those of us that really enjoy hermeneutics spend a lot of time indoors reading books. <laughs> Your face, Josiah. It's a good face. Um, and, um, but, you know, th- th- this, this wasn't audience to the, the, the scope and the context to do that. So instead, I'm sort of going to try and um, take you on a bit of a personal journey and just walk you through three, three ways that I have found really helpful to think about how to read the Bible. So some of it will get quite, um, hopefully, very practical. Some of it will hopefully be more personal. But my hope is to kind of, wherever you're at with reading your Bible, wherever you're at with faith, is to give you something to take forward with and kind of invitation to go deeper. And again, it kind of comes off the back of four weeks so far, so please do go back and look through them all. Um, before I jump in really quickly, um, I just want to be quite honest, actually. Just, um, uh, I've had a very emotional week, had a very draining week. Um, I won't get into details, but there's, a, there's, a, I've, you know, there's something bubbling in me, and there's a, I'd say, 50-50 chance that I might get emotional during this. So if I do, please, I'm doing it now, please just, you know, give me some grace, um, which I'm sure you will. Don't boo me. That would be sad. Um, I may not. Anyway, just let you know, there's, there, there's something bubbling in me. So anyway, so I'm going to jump right in with number one. So I said, I'm going to take you three, three personal things that I found really kind of helpful in my journey reading the Bible and studying the Bible. And the first one um, is, I'll try and get out of the way of, of the screen as well, if I can, um, is this, um, know why you're reading the Bible. Um, and because, so all of my, all my hows are going to have a because. So know why you can read the Bible, because internal posture is more in, important than your external practice. So I want to open the, the scriptures with you again this morning. So if you, can, if you have your Bibles, then please do um, open them. If you have your Bible on your phone, then you are forgiven, and the Lord is gracious. Um, but obviously, if that's how you prefer to engage, then, then no judgment much. Um, but if you go to Deuteronomy chapter 6, um, verses 5 to 9, um, it's on the screen, but I'm, I'm just going to read it for us and go through it very briefly. So just quickly set a bit of context. What's happening here is the Israelites, so God has led them out of the Exodus, out of Egypt. Um, and this comes, so he's, um, all the law has been sort of laid down, how he wants them to live in Leviticus. And they're kind of coming to entering the promised land, which happens in Joshua. Um, and Moses is giving a, a series, it records a series of speeches and kind of talks that he gave to them. And this is, this is part of that, just before they go into the promised land. 
And um, yes, what it says is this, verses 5 to 9, I'll read. Um, you shall love the Lord with all your God, the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might. And these words I command you today, which are all the things we can read in Leviticus, these words I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as signs on your hands and they shall be written as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on doorposts of your house and on your gates. And what I find really powerful about, about that, you might, those first lines um, may ring a bell. So I'm conscious I'm in the way of, of the screen, so I'll just keep moving around. Um, those opening lines, they might ring a bell because that's what Jesus quoted when he was asked what's the most important commandment. And what this, the simple point I want to draw from this is that actually when Moses was sort of saying what's the purpose of these laws I'm giving, what's the purpose of my written word, it was all about internal relationship with God. It was all about this is part of how you love me. This is part of how you show your love for me. You will live out the way I'm asking you to live. Um, and again, you can see in this, they do tie it to some practical ways that he was encouraging um, the Israelites to actually go about remembering and learning and reading this law. But you can see in that context, it's not saying here's a bunch of ways, practical ways you should do it, and that's, how, that's the answer to how to engage and read the scriptures. He's saying this is about relationship with me. This is about your internal posture. This is about how much you love me and whether you want to worship me. And I think, for me, I know this is, this is really true, um, and this is really easy to get wrong. So um, just two quick examples. So um, who has the YouGov, YouGov, um, the YouVersion app on their phone? So I'm not against Bible apps, just to be clear. Um, I just like the physical copy. But um, I, um, you know they have the verse of the day, and it ca- counts how many you've done. Um, and I, you know, I used to use it quite a lot, and I was getting quite happy with my streak, and about six months ago, I hit about 650. Balaam gave more of an ooh to that, but um, thank you very much. Um, But I, you know, probably about 300-ish, I knew very much that my internal posture had changed. I knew I wasn't really doing it anymore to, you know, to read that verse every day. I was doing it to get that number higher and higher. And, I, you know, this is 100% true. I also knew in the back of my mind I was doing it so that one day that number would be like 10,000 and I'd break the app and I could use it as an illustration. Um, turns out the illustration was sooner than I thought. Um, and anyway, one day, I don't know what happened. I, can't, I don't know, just the, the notification didn't come up or so, something happened and it broke the streak and I, I went in and I was like, oh, my gosh. And I tried to reload the old version. It didn't work. However... What it just really challenged me was like, you lost your internal posture. You might have had a really helpful way of reading the scriptures every day. Um, and it wasn't even a, a, a didn't have, wasn't having a negative effect on me. But my internal posture towards why am I doing this had changed. Um, and I haven't, I haven't started that streak again because I know as soon as I do, I'm going to slip straight back into it. So again, I, I think we know there's a truth to this. But that's just the first thing to say, which I've definitely learned is, no matter how we go about reading the Bible, no matter how often, which tools, which methods, of which there are so many, um, both the scripture itself, but also our personal experience shows us that the how in terms of the practicalities is not the most important thing. 
The most important thing is our internal posture. What are we doing? Why are we coming to the scriptures? Why are we coming to God in this way? Um, and allowing that to be the source of how we do it, how often we do it, and the way we do it. So that's the first thing about internal posture being more important. Jump on to the second one now. Um, the how is we need to learn to read the Bible in context because a lack of context leads to a lot of confusion. So just um, to get into this one, I've got a couple of visual, visual slides to run through. So um, on the screen now, which line is longer? They are the same, correct answer. But as you can see, <laughs> the top one looks longer. Let's just note that. Um, second, second slide. Of the little blue circles, which one's bigger? Which one looks bigger? Exactly. But then, you know, that, that I, I, even my eye finds that one a bit, a bit tricky. And then a third one, which I, I can't cope with. Are those lines straight or do they get, start going diagonal? Exactly. Thank you very much. They are, they are completely straight. Yes, exactly. Um, I, I, I know they're straight because every time I use this, I get a ruler out on the screen <laughs> and test to see if they're straight. But they are genuinely straight. Anyway. All, all of that to say, um, we know implicitly in life that context is important. We know the things that surround what we see and what we read and what we do affects our understanding of them. Um, again, I think we know it, those of us that use electronic communication, the biggest you know, mistake we can make is to take an email out of context or take a text out of context or you know, take it out of the context of its wider picture. And we don't do it, and yet somehow, and I do know how, and it's, it's not necessarily bad motivations. When it comes to the Bible, we just are very, very happy to just read them all in bits in isolation and take them out of context. Um, and, you know, it does us a disservice. So we're going to just do a little exercise um, now where we're literally going to, just, uh, together, we're going to read uh, a Bible in a little bit of context, just to give you an example of, of what this looks like and the change it makes. So if you go to the next slide. Um, here's a verse in Romans. Uh, some of you may know this verse, some of you may not. Uh, Romans 3, verse 23, and it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Um, on the face of it, does someone want to just quickly, what do you think that might be trying to communicate? It's not a trick question. Exactly. Thank you very much. So I would say, and I, you know, I've learned this first, um, and I'm not saying what the words are not true, but when you read that on its own, you're, you're probably thinking Paul is saying to the Romans, you are not good enough. Um, however, I'm now going to read, and if you do have it, please turn to Romans chapter 3. I'm going to read for you um, the surrounding verses of this. So I'm going to read you um, Romans chapter 3, verses 21 to 30. And I'd love you just to listen. And then again, I'll just give you a few words to un unpack it and see what's going on here. So from verse 21, this is what Paul is writing. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus and whom God put forward as a propitiation of his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he passed over the former sins. 
It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what happens, of what becomes of our boasting? Is it excluded? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, by a law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God a God of the Jews only? Is he not also a God of the Gentiles? Yes, he is a God of the Gentiles also. So all we've done there is simply taken, rather than reading kind of one verse, we've just read eight around it. And I hope even before I, I will say a few things in a minute, you can straight away see the idea that Paul is saying you're not good enough is not in any way, shape or form what he's trying to communicate here. Um, again, let me unpack it just very, very briefly. What's happening here is the church in Rome is um, struggling with this idea of Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians, which just means non-Jewish Christians, coming together. Um, and the Jewish was trying to work through, but what about the law? I thought we were justified by the law. Um, and saying the Gentiles can't be justified because they're not obeying the law. And so what Paul is actually saying, he's saying, um, and hopefully it was clear from, from even just reading it out, we're all justified by faith. All of us have done things wrong, and we're all justified by Jesus, and therefore we should be united. God is not simply a God of the Jews. He's a God of everyone. And again, all that to just give a hopeful, just a really simple, practical example of that's what happens, or can happen, hopefully, when we don't just read one verse or two verses, but simply, um, you know, not do loads of study, but simply read just the whole chapter. Just read the verses around. Um, and again, you might notice when I speak, I try not to put, a simple reference like just Romans, whereas helps to think through this is a letter that Paul wrote to the Romans and start thinking through why, why is Paul writing this to the Romans? What's going on in the Roman church? What else is he saying in this letter? Um, what's Paul's heart for, for the people? And it wasn't to say, you're not good enough. And again, I, I could go into more detail and I can't, but all I'll just say is there's, all, there's a, a whole way to learn step by step how to read in context. So that was an example of we read by paragraph, um, other really important ones are we read through a Jesus lens. So if we, uh, we know Jesus is the perfect picture of the Father, the Father's heart, who he is. So if we read something and it just doesn't quite look like Jesus, then it gives us a pause to pause and to say, okay, that doesn't quite look like Jesus. Let's, let's think this through a bit more. Um, there's again context in terms of cultural context. So we think through what is happening at the time culturally. What might this mean? Um, there's the wider... So Viv last week talked about meta-narrative. So how does this fit in the wider scheme? Um, so there's a whole kind of lens of context that gradually we can start to unpick. And some of that unpicking is sort of, you know, my job and our job, teaching from the front. But the one I just give to you guys is just, just read an extra paragraph. Just read an extra paragraph. And if you get, and I'm going to come to this in a moment, if it starts inciting your curiosity, then kind of take it to the next step. But the simple how-to is, is just read the next paragraph because it will help you unlock a lot of confusion. Or not unlock, you know what I mean. Anyway, so that was the second one. So let's now just look at the third one. Um, and this is kind of my, my favorite one in some ways. It's the one I, I have to work on the most in some ways. It's the one that helps me personally the most which is we have to learn how to read the Bible with our whole self um, because the goal is transformation, not information. Um, that's, but everyone uses that. That's not my line. So before you give me credit, you know. But it's, it's, it's a good one, and it's true. Um, and I think the one I just want to show you first in the Scripture example of where I think we can see this 
playing out, and then I'll unpack it again a little bit. So if you want to learn, turn to Luke chapter 2. Um, it's always nice to read a Christmas story, not at Christmas. So, um, and, and by the way, again, so just, you know, to unpack what I, I try and do. So at the bottom there, um, Luke was a doctor, if you're interested. I don't know why we don't call him Dr. Luke. Seems a bit disrespectful. Um, and this is written in a biography of Jesus' life. So again, it's, um, it's that context of what kind of material are we, are we reading here. And this is a biography. Anyway, so I'm going to read. It's on the screen, but from verses 15 to 19. So again, um, just let's picture us where we are. Um, the angels um, have just come and met the shepherds and told them about Jesus and kind of declared God's word for what Jesus is going to be. And it picks up from there. Um, when the angels went away from them, i.e. the shepherds, back to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. Let's see the word that has been spoken to us, um, that the Lord has made known to us. And with haste they went and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made it known, the saying, they told them what God had told them, um, the saying that had been told to them concerning the child. And all, all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But then let's listen to how Mary in particular responded when she heard the word of God. But Mary treasured these things up in her heart, pondering them in her heart. Um, again, it's one of my sort of, you know, favorite, favorite verses in terms of how, how we can kind of come towards the word of God. Um, and again, it's not kind of a, a knock on the shepherds, but... Luke makes it really clear that Mary had a slightly different response. Um, the word about who her son was going to be really had a powerful effect on her. Um, and instead of just, um, just trying to live it out or trying to completely feel like she understood what it meant, it says she remembered them, treasured them, and pondered them in her heart. Um, and again, complete, this is a true, true confession. People get very surprised when I tell people I hate Bible studies. Um, but I, I do. I, I hate Bible studies, and uh, I generally refuse to go to Bible studies. Um, but it's not because I don't love the Bible. Hopefully, that much is clear already. But it's because, and definitely, V61 small groups are not like this. If you're not in one, you should sign up. But I, I growing up, I went to too many Bible studies, and this might resonate with some of you. It may not. Where it goes a bit like this: we read a passage. Person one, here's my opinion. Person two, here's my opinion. Person three, here's my opinion. Let's go home. And I'm like, that's the definition of information, not transformation, right? And so I, I grapple with this, and I like, you know, kicking up the dust sometimes. And so, you know, I was like, this can't be, this can't be the way it goes. This cannot be the way, you know, when you do gather together to read the Bible, even on your own, this can't be the way it goes. So I made a little, a little mnemonic for myself of how I quit Bible study. So, this is, and this is, this is how, I, how I do it when I, you know, read my Bible and, and both just personally and, and preparing. So, the first thing that, you know, the QU, when I read it, I am reading through and I'm thinking, what questions, what curiosity does it arise in me? So, maybe I'm reading something for the first time or the second time, and I'll just think, oh, that's interesting. Why does, why does Paul say that there? Or, you know, why is Jesus saying that? Or why might that be in the Old Testament, which is generally my whole experience of the Old Testament. But it, the first thing, I just write down these questions, like what, you know, just a curiosity thing, you know, what, and that's, that's really important and it helps me. 
The second thing I kind of notice is insights. So again, this more often sometimes happens if I'm reading something for the second time. Um, and I'll just notice something I didn't notice before. So again, this often happens with the familiar stories that maybe we've heard more often. Um, and for example, you may have never noticed that Luke says Mary treasured and pondered those things in her heart. You may have never noticed that before in reading that story. And again, it's just this, I make little notes of like, that's, you know, I never noticed that before, that's interesting. And that kind of sits with me. And then the third one, which I think is in some ways potentially the most powerful one, and we need to give ourselves permission to do, is what troubles you about what you read. Um, I was listening to a sermon yesterday, and the, the guy said, um, if the Bible doesn't like mess with you inside, you're not reading it properly. Which is quite challenging, but I think what he was getting at, which I totally agree with, unless you're reading stuff that troubles you, either on a, I find that difficult, or like, ooh, that hit me, because mm, I'm maybe not like that, they're the really important ones to listen to. Because they're the ones, on one hand, might be God challenging you, on the other hand, you're reading that being like, that doesn't look like Jesus. I'm really confused by that. And then it leads you back into this cycle of, well, if I want to, I want to unpick that. You know, we are in a place where we have unparalleled access to other people's study and research and teaching. Um, so we can go and find out, like, what is going on there? Um, you know, I've currently kind of reading through, just finished Joshua. The first four, five or six chapters are just full of, you know, war and death and killing. And I, it really, like, in my little Bible, I've got trouble written all over the whole thing. You know, and the point is, I don't have to go and answer that now. But in time, that's the thing I know because it troubles me so much. <laughs> it's all right. Um, it's the thing for me to go and explore. But I can explore it in the moment with God. And I can say, God, I really don't like this. I, don't, and what, I need to know what's going on here. I need to know, was this really what's happening? Is this literature? Anyway, but the point is, what these do, these give me permission to come with my whole self. I come with my mind. I come with my emotions. I come with my kind of personality. I come with what's happened that week, next week, last week two years ago, and I bring my whole self to it. And again, this is where we really just loop back around, and it becomes about internal posture. It becomes about relationship. Um, you know, sometimes I do read it for information because sometimes I'm preparing a message, but when I'm reading it at best, I'm reading it with this in mind for not immediate transformation, but a transformation of trusting God that I'm just engaging with this, I'm thinking it through, I'm praying it through, I'm studying it through where relevant, and over time I trust that this is going to transform me and change me and challenge me. So there are my three things. So I think my next slide, if I've remembered rightly, excellent. So there are my three, I just want to kind of personal, but hopefully practical um, in various ways. The first one, again, know why you're reading the Bible. Make it about your internal posture. And when a good challenge that if you know you don't have that internal posture towards God's written word, then it's just a challenge for you to explore that with God. I wouldn't say keep hammering away at it. You know, pause and talk to God, find out kind of what's happening there. Second one, learn to read it in context. Really simple. Um, just start by reading a bit beyond maybe the verse you're going to read. But as you know, there's so many resources out there to go deeper in, in finding the other context to look at. And then lastly, the, the, the most personal one in, my, in many ways for me and to commend to you guys is can learn to read it with your whole self. Um, learn to read it with your emotions, with your mind, with your personality, with your biography, all of it together. And um, just in terms of a couple of resources, and I'm going to wrap up and invite um, the band back up. 
So what now? This is the end of our opening kind of Bible series. Um, there's obviously the other podcast for you to listen to. But just three things to touch on. That book on the right is called Reading the Bible with Heart and Mind. It's the book my kind of father gave to me when I, I think I was roughly 18. Um, it's, you know, it's not the perfect book, but it's a really, really good book. Probably started me on, on this journey uh, of two years ago. Um, and um, the second one, Bible Project, has come up a few times. If you don't know it, it's this amazing project, videos, podcasts, written content, all really exploring the Bible in a really helpful, powerful way. And then thirdly, in particular, within the vineyard, there's a uh, called Vineyard Training Platform. Um, if you want to get into even more detail about hermeneutics, how to study the Bible, all sorts about the scripture, then that's there for us as well. But let me, if I invite um, the band out, let me, let me close with this. Um, this series has not really kind of been about um, the Bible, as crazy as that sounds. Um, this series has been the beginning of what we're going to do with our teaching about who, who are we becoming? How are we becoming formed into a Christ-likeness? What are the tools, what are the ways that we can become Christ-like? What are the ways that we can live out day-to-day um, and become more of the people that God wants us to be? And the first one we've looked at is a scripture, and as of next week, we're going to start going into other things around prayer and other methods. And so I just wanted to end by, again, re- really capping off a few things I have said today, that this Um, If we make this about reading a book, we're just going to get it all completely wrong. But the challenge for us is how much do we really want to become like Christ? How much do we want to really move on in our apprenticeship to the life of Jesus? Um, Where is that at in terms of our lives? And looking for these tools and these methods and these ways that God's given us to go on that journey. Um, So I would love to pray for us now, and then I'm just going to hand over to Josiah. Yeah, Father. I thank you that you're a God who speaks. I thank you that you are a God who wants to communicate with us. Thank you that you're a God who wants to take us on a journey of who you are and who we are. Lord, I just pray over us that you will give us a passion for your word in spirit and in the written word. You will give us the minds to understand these things written down for us. And Lord, as we take that choice to do these disciplines in the best sense of the word, Lord, may your spirit bring it alive in us and make it be all about you. Yeah, Lord, and as some of us saw when we're taking communion, this little boy, and he came forward, and it's just in front of the cross, and, and he just was on his hands and knees and, and just eyes closed, and and uh, yeah, all the guys I was standing with, we were just started crying. And, and um, Lord, I just pray that we would have that spirit, that this would be about how can we find ways to inch, inch forward closer to you? How can we use the scriptures to come closer to you? So Lord, I just commend that spirit over us this morning. In Jesus' name.
Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers.